Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew of Westy and Sammy Barnacles. Um, <laughs> I'm going to keep that going because I enjoy it way too much. Uh, we are coming to you from a pretty, well, uh, not windy anymore, but a very, very windswept uh, Oran Moore and Galway. Uh, we've had, unfortunately, some stone walls are down. Uh, there's a tree up where I live nearly that's down. Um, that came literally millimetres away from some poor lad's windscreen. So he's pretty lucky this morning. Uh, but yeah, we're still here, still have electricity, so all good. But I'll check in with the lads as always. Westy, how are you? How, your your hair must have been windswept in that wind. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, I've been recycling all day to combat this climate change, so it doesn't happen again, you know. Um, no, yeah, I'm good. Thank God. I was at home in Ballina for uh, the last few days. I came back up. Saturday afternoon, so it was good. It was my nephew's birthday um, on Wednesday, so I was down with them and just hanging out with my family. So, yeah, that's quite a weekend for me. Plural of nephews, nephi, nephis, nephilopods, nephropods. I like it, yeah. Uh, very good. Good birthday, so pretty crazy one year old birthday party. It was wild. There was people hanging from the rafters, you know, there was shit everywhere because oh, do yeah. a lot of people. It's not a it's not a party until some f- shit gets thrown yeah. around. Uh, Sam, any shit in your weekend? Uh, I took a pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> if I was to recall, uh... I was so proud of myself on Sunday evening. But uh, no, I had a good weekend. Yeah, I was just back home. Went to see my mom. She was back from. She's been away for a couple of months. So I brought the daughter up on Saturday afternoon to see her in Dublin. Uh, snuck in a bit of trackman driving range while I was up in Dublin, and then got back yesterday. Got an extra hour in bed this morning because of the storm. You know, schools can't open before 10. Uh, but it was a funny one with the government announcing that we couldn't open till 10 because I had to make the decision on whether or not I could go to work because uh, preschools and creches were also only open at 10. So I was saying, like, I could go to work and then my partner could text me as I got to work saying, creche is closed, come home, mind the baby while I go to work. So it was a, it was a risky couple of minutes there between kind of 10 and quarter past 10, but it was all all right in the end. It's almost like the government having a fucking clue, Sam. Is that what you're trying to say? Right. They don't, I don't think they think about a lot of things that they do. I think they announce stuff and just, just go with it. But uh, it could be worse. We could have the British government because they're an absolute shit show. Like, we're bad, but they're so bad. Yeah, well, look, this is not a politics show. We're here to talk about some, some ruggers. Uh, and unfortunately, the season did not end last week. And we did not win the URC. Uh, apparently, there's a round four. Uh, apparently there's numerous rounds goes up goes up much more than that uh but yeah connect are now are no longer top of the table we're no longer having a laugh which is yeah uh, which makes me sad unfortunately it would have been nice if the coaches didn't listen to our podcast assume that the season was over and just send everyone away on holiday uh th- this week that would be handy you know and you know what that's on us we we have to take responsibility for that so we only apologize to everyone involved but now connect's fifth in the table god it doesn't belong coming back down uh, but we'll, we'll we'll kick off as always. We will look at the the Connacht game. Uh, they were away to Edinburgh. A lot of changes. I think there was what eight or nine changes from the previous week, which is a lot. Um, and it showed in in, in a lot of areas. Uh, but yet the game was there. Well, we were drawing with two minutes to go. Um, and some old Connacht ugly mistakes reared his head again. But we'll get to that in a second. But Westy. I don't know. How do you how do you sum up that performance? How do you feel coming out of that? It's a, it's a losing bonus point, which is you know we 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 we've asked for more of those, but is there is there a sense of points left on the table? Uh, I think there is. If you look at the game as a whole, there there is 
it's definitely looking back on it, you see it as a game that we could have won. But I think the game that played out in front of us, you can't honestly say we deserve the win. Do you know we, or that we're we should feel hard done by or anything like that. Like we, the tries that we conceded, like you know, like they're great runs, right? It's a great run by Van der Mer for I think the second one. It's a good, it's a, it's really good counter attack from them. But we're falling off tackles. Um, we're letting them through gaps. Um, our restart is still a problem. Twelve months later, um, we did really well to fight and come back in the game and create our scores and uh, take the chances that came our way. Um, but with the way we went down and the way we conceded, I don't think you can really say that we deserve to come back and win it. We dug ourselves into a hole that was was too much to get out of. Um, yeah, I, I feel a bit disappointed we didn't get the draw. But again, as I say, that restart goes bad and we're pinned back and. You know, okay, we well, we can't lose by by more than seven, but you know, um, I'm pretty sure Edinburgh had penalty advantage, and they still went for the drop goal uh, when they got to keep, keep kept pounding the line and tried to get themselves a winning bonus point. So, um, I think you have to take the rough for this mood, right? We were talking last week, myself and yourself, um, and we kind of said that this the next three weeks are successful if we come away with about six points. Well, that's that's what I said. I'm not sure if you still agree with that. So, I think going away and getting a losing bonus point in Edinburgh's a, a, an okay result, a decent result, especially, you know, like we had to rotate the squad. As you said, there were seven changes. Um, I did comment on that. I thought it was, um, although I acknowledge that we had to rotate them, we have to give uh, players game time. It was, a, it was a weaker side than we'd fielded the last couple of weeks. Um, and there appears to be an eye on going to South Africa and getting a couple of, uh, getting a result, uh, at least one. So, um, yeah, look, at that we put in a lot over the last three weeks and we had to have some sort of rotation and, Unfortunately, we just didn't have it. I think if we had played with the same team that we had had the the uh, three games beforehand, or if we played that game in a sports ground, I think we come away with the victory. But I think, like I say, we just dug ourselves into too big of a hole. And uh, if anything, it's, like it happened against Ulster, right? But we managed to come back. It's something that we have to kind of look into going forward. Like I've said before, I think our defensive structure is really good. There's just these moments where we shut off or these transition periods where we don't get into kind of position. We don't transition from attack to defense quick enough. And it's going to co- it cost us at the weekend and it's probably going to cost us again with, with bigger and better teams that we play throughout the season. Yeah, Sam, do you agree with Wesley there that the, the, name, the, team, or the team that was named, was that a team that was named that is looking ahead to the next two weeks in South Africa and then obviously the, the heading up to, to, to Leinster or the visit of Leinster on the 2nd of December? Uh, I agree that it was a, a, a weaker team. It was a rotated team. It was eight eight changes, I think. And I think that that is the case, that it is weaker. But I don't know if it's necessarily with a view to going to South Africa and getting a win or a view. I think it's genuinely a view that they've 11 games on the bounce, two of which are in South Africa, two of which are in Europe, and three of which will be, by the end of it, being Interpro. So they always have to rotate. I think we went heavy because we had three home games at the start of the season, and we know what losing a couple of games at the start of the season can do for us. We saw that last year. Everyone was writing us off until we managed to scrape into the top eight. And... In my mind, Connick went for those three. They identified them, and then they looked at this as a potential bonus uh, opportunity to get points. But that was a strong Edinburgh team. We probably needed to rotate because you have to give players rest coming into a season. You can't, you know, players can play five or six games in a row in the middle of a season when they're fully at it in terms of fitness. But at the start of the season, you come back and you come back with slight niggles and a lack of match day stamina, and all of those things add up. So. I don't think it was necessarily with a view to winning in South Africa. I think it was a view to managing the, the entire squad overall and also looking at a potential victory or points accumulated in South Africa because I think any points gotten in South Africa 
are bonus points in the grand scheme of the league. It's not very often teams go there and get results, and they haven't so far in the two years that the South African teams have been in it. So, you know, you look at that Sharks team, they look in free-for-all, but they're going to want to make amends for the four losses on the road. So all of those factors add up to it, and it does end up being... A weaker team, yes, I'll give that, but it had to. I think the rotation had to happen. I think you you look at Ford. Ford's young. You don't want to put his body through things. Farrell hasn't consistently ever been able to play four or five games for us, so you have to rotate him. Joe Joyce is new to the system. He's very integral, but he's a big lad and he carries hard. He's he's attritional in the way that he plays, so he has to be rotated. And I think you also have to get minutes in people like Porch when he comes back and you pin your hopes on a rotation in the back three. So Smith, so there's justification for all of the changes, but I do think it. Yeah, it's not as strong as the a couple of weeks beforehand in terms of the defense in terms of the side of things when Westy was saying I think our defense was really good I actually think we like I rewatched the game and we we defensively stood we kept them at seven after we gave away the try where we are lacking and where it needs to be needs to be addressed now because it happened twice in that game and it's happened a couple of times even against like Ulster is we don't seem to have a structure for that transitional ball that turnover ball we gave Duan van der Merwe way too much respect and let him get going. The, he got the ball on the outside and no one looked to go near him. They kind of, they shied off the fact and they kind of stood in awe of him. And their first try was just good hands, but we didn't have an answer. What we've done defensively has been really aggressive and it has shut them down. It did shut them down. They scored no tries from what I want to call open play. I know that's bullshit because they scored two of their tries from open play and one from a quick tap penalty. But I want to say open play is in. They didn't build up and do anything spectacular on attack against our defense to score tries. They really took a huge amount of, they they really benefited from being able to catch us off on the hop when we were on transition. And that hopefully will come with the further implementation of defensive structures and systems and all those things with the new coaching ticket. But yeah, other than that, I actually think defensively we were really, really strong and rewatching it the second half of the first half we were brilliant to keep them to only seven to be able to give ourselves an opportunity to change the outcome of the game. And we really came close to it. You know, we scored that, that we, we drew it even with two minutes ago and then fucked up the restart. And that's, that's another area that we'll talk about. I'm sure. Yeah. I think my kind of view of the game, I watched it in a pub, so it wasn't the same as, you know, watching at home. So I didn't have commentary and stuff, but it was very, very sloppy. There's a lot of sloppy from both teams, but, um, like again, if you had said to me before the game started, you'd get a losing bonus point. I would have been pretty happy with that. Um, but then again, like it, it's hard to say that too. And then also, like you were drawing with two minutes to go and getting the ball back, and not only once did you give the ball back to them, but twice you gave the ball back to them. And that, yeah, let's talk about the restarts. I don't know why it's not a coaching thing. You can't say it's a coaching thing anymore because there's been three coaching staffs. Uh, in probably that it's been an issue and I don't know w- why it's so difficult for Connacht to do this um, the second one was was a bit I, I'm a bit more lenient on Colin Riley because he was being pressurised big time and it, you know it was slippy ball but just go up and get the ball or restart and kick the ball out like it's it's so so frustrating and that's what I was pissed off about after the game was that you know, it's just not one-offs anymore. It just seems to be a constant thing with Connacht where it's, you know, God, how are we going to shoot ourselves in the foot? Like, that's two weekends in a row where we were 17 points down against Ulster and 14 points down against this Edinburgh team and came back. Like, so there was definitely mental strength there. There's definitely grit and determination to get back into a game and the score and the firepower to do it. But, Jesus, just get the ball, get it down and get it out. Like, why? The good teams don't do this. That And that's what pisses me off. And it's not... 
people are blaming coaches. It can't, like what I could go in there and tell you, catch the ball and kick it out. Like it's not like it's a big coaching thing. It's not complex. Go up and get the ball and kick it out. It's just like I'm just frustrated for the players as well. Like that was a really good. There was two points sitting there or whatever it is for a draw, and I know that's only one point more than we came out with. But like at the same time, one point can be huge coming into a season and. To come back into a game where you were kind of dead, uh, and a, a game again where you played pretty poorly overall, it's just it stings a little bit. But I think in in you know in a couple months' time we might look back and be like that was a really important point to get um, away to Edinburgh. And as you said, Westy, if they go now and beat the Sharks next week, it looks great. Then do you know what I mean? It's all it, it. You won't really know how bad or, or good this is until you look back in a couple of weeks and other results. Now, if we go and lose the next two games in a row, it looks like really bad points drop. But I don't know. It's it's similar to Ulster. I don't know how to feel after the game, but obviously we, we won that game. We lost this one. But I just, I, I'm really sick of those restarts. I'm really sick of the balls being kicked out in the fall. I'm really, it's just getting really, really annoying because it's simple mistakes that are synonymous with this Connacht team for some reason. Um, I don't know. Am I, am I being harsh? I think with the restarts, it's. It's because our game plan isn't to kick the ball out. Our, our game plan is to hold the ball and, and create an attacking chance. You know, we we tend to go through an extra couple of phases than the average team who just go for an instant kind of, um, you know, instant clearance. Um, so I think that opens us up then to, you have to take the, the risks that come with that, right? If you're going to try and play the ball, if you're going to try and go for that extra two or three phases before you do your exit, th- that's the risk that you face. And, I guess what what I would say is that it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can you can adapt that to the time of the game. So you know, obviously, if you're receiving a ball with a minute to go and it's even, I mean, maybe we should be hoofing that ball away as quick as possible, getting down the pitch and playing in the right areas. But um, yeah, it's it's not as simple as oh, Cox don't know how to restart. It's it's because we're tr- I think it's because we're trying to play the ball and hold the ball rather than just kicking it away instantly that opens us up for these kind of mistakes and, and look sometimes that counter-attack works for us as well so it's um it, it comes down to it's 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 i think it's a question of strategy um but i think that that strategy should probably be a little bit more adaptable depending on you know the, the time of the game or the, or the specific situation that you're in before before you get in here sam i'll just carry with that westy is that we've seen the last few months let's look at the rugby world cup where teams would rather defend than try and attack especially that late in the game like look at all the games that came down to the final minute it was always the team that had the ball attacking that ended up losing because it's so easy to get it to- so it's just not easy but it's the, the way the game is at the moment and as Sam said we defended quite well throughout the game so like I agree if that's strategy for most of the game with two minutes to go and you've just come back from 14 points down there has to be someone overruling there and be like okay we're not doing you know we're, we're switching back to conservative mode here you know yeah, that's what I'm saying. At that, at that point in the game, surely the thing to do was to clear it and try and play down their end of the pitch. But like, I mean, having said that, right? Um, I don't think we thought a drop goal was ever going to happen. I was pretty shocked when it happened, to be honest. Um, and our goal line defense was really strong for the whole game. Like, it's when we kick the ball deep and they counterattack. Like, that's exactly where that uh, that that second try comes from. We kick deep, let Kinghorn passes wide, we send off Duhani runs through us. So, you know, <laughs> there, there's. There's positives and negatives on both sides as well. Yeah, we also, like, I'm going to say, we kicked last year more than any other team in the league, uh, I'm fairly sure. We had, we'd had we kind of gone away from that playing it out. And then post-match, Wilkins was actually quite critical of them trying to play too much in their own 22, especially in the first half, and so, leading to mis- some mistakes. I think if Wilkins is 
game plan is similar to that we saw under Friend, which we presume it is because Wilkins was given a lot of autonomy to do what he wanted in that system. I think we do kick. And I think you've seen it in the last week, like Jack was booting it down the middle and people are actually critical about Jack and how much he kicks and how aimless uh, in, in quotes the kicks are from Jack. I think that there's mistakes in some of the kicks, but when he kicks, he finds grass down the middle. And I think finding grass is a good kick. I think that restart in particular, it was just, it wasn't caught. I don't think it was the fact that we tried to play anything. It was just not caught. And one problem we've had, and it's it's reoccurred for parts of every season for the last three or four years, it's not been completely the entire time. There was times when we were just getting the ball and hoofing it down, but there was you know a name on and catch the ball. We were overcomplicating things a couple of years ago. We were trying to lift backs with forwards and that got a bit too complicated. Then we went very bog standard, caught the ball, hoofed it. And then a couple of times last year, we hoofed it into our own fucking player or we hoofed it out in the fall or a couple of things went wrong. That one at the weekend, I think that was a shit, just a shit catch. I think that there was nerves or whatever happened. It was someone misread it and it was went out and went against us. Then we managed to hold them up brilliantly and got ourselves a scrum and that should have been it. And then the bad pass to JJ and JJ hasn't the quick enough thought to realize that those pass back into the 22 and he kicks it straight out and we they get the line out. It's a series of bad events that comes from someone not manning up and shouting my ball or Wesley's ball or whoever's ball it is, catching it, taking the first hit and then kicking it out because it was just, it was a poor attempt at a catch. And that's what led to the string of errors that put them in the corner. It was it was a lemony snicket. It really was. It was a series of unfortunate events. Uh, thank you Good very reference. much. I'll see you guys later. I'm going to see myself out. Um, yeah, let's talk about Jack because again, he's 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 on the forefront of a lot of Connacht fans' minds. Of course, the Facebook group is going crazy. Uh, Jack Carthy, uh, C A R T H Y, was being was being criticised a lot uh, in in the WhatsApp group. Uh, and JJ, what was it? Han Ratty. I think was also was also was also quoted. So, uh, two new signings into the into the Connick squad, which is incredible. Uh, no, look, I, I yeah, I'm more critical of Jack than I think you two guys are. I think sometimes you are too defensive of him a little bit. I think sometimes um, you are too critical of him as well, though. The other day you were. I mean, I've seen I've seen too many game. kicks out on the yeah because I was in a pub. <laughs> he said nothing for the entire game. The ball was kicked out in the full, and I looked at my phone because I knew you would text straight away. That was the first message you sent for the entire game. It Do was you know like, why, Sam? Because it happens too often. That's why I get annoyed, and I'm like. Josh, that's actually. I think in general play, I think Jack has been fine. He's been good. I thought um, he was very good outside of that three. Yeah, minutes. no, he's been good. Yeah, but it's again, it's the same as the restarts. I've seen it too often now for it to be defensible. Is all I'm saying. Um, the miss kick again. The miss kick at the end. I just think if JJ is on the pitch, you have to let him kick. I just don't think you can have Jack as your primary kicker now anymore. If, if JJ is on the kick, pitch. Though. No, but the one he missed, though, JJ was on the pitch, wasn't he? Was he? I don't think he was, was he? I thought he was on at that stage, no? I don't think so. I'm going to double-check that. Again, watched in the pub, so it could be wrong. Um, so that's, if that's the case, then fair enough. But um, I don't know. Like The kicking off the, the tee, like, I don't know. Westy, what are your thoughts here? I feel like you're like the medium between Sam's... No, he's not on at that point. Okay, so, okay. apologies to Jack, then. But, uh, yeah, Better I feel like, uh, yeah, but you're more in the middle of Sam will never, ever criticize him, I don't think, and I'll probably criticize too often. I criticized him four minutes ago. I was giving out that he made the mistakes. I'm just saying you that said he- that you said something. What was it? Uh, I can't remember what you said, but then, uh, but while you said it, the last next sentence was, but that's you, 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 you kind of like backed out of the criticism. No, I was complimenting him and then caveated the compliment with a the criticism. I said, like, his kicking was very good and people were critical of it 
then he made the mistake. That's what I said. It's called a compliment sandwich, Steve. You know, so you, you give someone yeah. a compliment to make them feel good, and then you give them a point for improvement, and then you That's... give them another compliment. <laughs> yeah, you're parent, trying to build parent... them up. You're trying to build yeah. them up. That's parent-teacher meeting 101. Jack's great. He's an absolute dunce, but a really nice guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, some kid in Sam's class. Uh, yeah, Westy, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, look, Jack is still your your, your club captain. Um, Jack is also a conference player, so I think, you know, uh, misses the kick, misses touch. It's kind of, you know, one error tends to follow another. Um, I was impressed with how, how he composed, recomposed himself, and, you know, I thought it, in open play, he, he played really well. Uh in the game as a whole um, he doesn't quite take the ball to the line as much as maybe Irish fans are used to because we're all grown up on the sex and it was a very um, uh, I don't know a progressive ball carrier or uh, I can't think of maybe the right word prophilic ball carrier in, in the way he took the ball to the line prolific Carty, prolific that's the word um, uh, Carty tends Federals. to take the ball at it they're like little pastries with cream in them. Profiteroles. Profiteroles. Yeah, he's They're a very really profiterole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, full of cream. Uh, yeah, Jack tends to take the ball a little bit more stationary. Uh, and I think I think that's part of the game plan is then so the back line can, you know, exercise a, a move out wider. Um, but I think, so I, I think, I think you let Jack, if Jack is your starting 10, which I think he still is, you let Jack kick. If he loses the average on the kicks, and JJ is on the pitch, then then the role switches to JJ. I was really interested in the fact that our bench was our three backs were Riley, Hawkshaw, and Anran. You know, we had two tens on the bench, and then obviously, typical to form, we have injuries and players have to go off, and we have to bring in a ten at fullback and a ten at centre. Now, uh, Hawkshaw has played a fair bit of centre as well, so uh, that one's probably not quite as 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 shocking. That Hawkshaw was a twelve that they kind of used as a ten uh, towards the end of last season. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think I think look, J- J- uh, Jack is your captain. Jack is your uh, your talisman. So I think in, at default he takes the kicks. But I, I think as as, you, as Sam already pointed out, that's that's the ideal kind of scenario to manage. That is that when JJ comes on, Jack's missed the last kick. So Jack, you know. Uh, is a, is a great leader and takes it and says, you know what, you take the kick, you know, because uh, that takes balls as well to be the one to say, no, no, I'm okay, you take it, um, you, you know, for whatever reason. So, yeah, I think you have to play it. No more than with the restarts and stuff. You have to play the game in front of you, right? Like if if Jack is off form of kicking, then someone else take over. It doesn't have to be the biggest. Uh, it doesn't have to be this big thing that your ten isn't your uh, conversion taker. I mean, funny enough, I was chatting to my dad. Uh, at the weekend, we were watching the Ulster Munster game, and he was saying, "Back in his day, it was the winger who threw the ball into the lineup." He's like, "I never saw a hooker throw a ball into the lineup my whole life." Um, so you know, like these things of players been established. This is your job. This is your role. Like it doesn't have to be that way. Like look at look at Ulster, where the, the nine kicks. You know, Cooney or or Doak take take you know ninety percent of the kicks. So um, you have to adapt to the situation. And I think I think Jack Carthy is a leader. He's extremely mature, and he's well able to delegate that if if he feels that it's better for someone else to take it, even if it's not necessarily a bad thing that he take it. You know, it's about assessing the, the situation. Yeah, no, look, there's, I, I know what you mean. And overall, yeah, I think Jack is still a great player. I'm just like, it's small things again, but, you know, that misconversion takes you from drawing the game at the end there where you're getting the ball to instead you're actually ahead. And it's, I, I again, look, you can go back and look through fine to come all these little parts and stuff, but it just seems to happen a bit more frequently than it should. That's Did you all. see... 
did you see or notice that when JJ came on, I think that Tiernan was uh, hobbling a little bit, so it was probably slightly enforced, but it looks like Jack went back to fullback uh, for most of it, not for all of it, because he, he took one or two at first receiver in that period, but it looked like he was more of a fullback and he took a couple under the high ball. And having someone with his playmaking ability at fullback, because I think Tiernan was really solid, uh, but one thing I don't think he does enough is bring other team players into it. I think he carries the ball really well, but I can't remember the last time I saw him pass. And I think that if you could have that, and if you could have both of them, and you could have not always as you're starting 15, but if you're chasing a game in that way, like having two tens on the pitch the way like New Zealand do with Bowden Barrett, you have Carty at fullback and you have Hanrahan leading the line or vice versa. I think that could be quite beneficial in the long run. No, it'd be at least they have options, they have loads of options what to do. Um, our beloved John Porch was back, uh, unfortunately went off injured. We all feared the worst when we saw him, I think, sucking on some oxygen uh, coming off the pitch. But uh, we were informed it's only, I think, a small cut and he's uh, he's on the plane to South Africa. So uh, that's great to know, great news. Um, a few other good performances. I thought Tom Daly looked good uh, at, at 12. Um, very impressed by him because, again, he's struggling to get game time at the moment. So I'm sure he was delighted to play well, especially when he was given the opportunity. Um, Tiger McElroy at Hooker, Sam, what were your thoughts? Uh, I've been really impressed with him for the three games previous. I think he struggled a little bit at the start of this game, but he grew into it. Uh, the lineouts didn't go stri- like didn't go their way the first couple of minutes, uh, and he but he did begin to grow into it. I think that he was good enough, but there was a big jump when Dylan Tierney Martin came on. I thought Dylan Tierney Martin brought a lot of uh, aggression and. Uh, intent into the position he was he was getting the ball he took the ball he, he brings that level of intensity that I think McElroy has to step up to to meet but I was quite happy with it and I'd be very content with him as our second choice hooker for so long as Dave Heffernan is out or our third choice hooker if Dave Heffernan is out I don't know what his story is in the long run because he was brought in on a short-term deal to cover because obviously Delahunt was let go at the end of last season and Declan Moore has signed for a Serie A team in the second division in domestic Italian league so I don't know what happened there if he just seemed not good enough or if something else came up or what happened but yeah they brought in McElroy on a short-term deal he was with Leinster last year so hopefully you know he signs on long-term because you you then have uh, Owen Butler in behind as well but quite a young contingent of hookers to have so having having more is probably better in the long run but yeah I thought he was okay I thought he was good I don't I don't think he was as good as his impact has been in the last couple of weeks but I thought he, he got through and the front row stood up to a front row that was, you know, very experienced. You got the likes of Schoeman there. You know, that's that's going to be a hard day for anyone. I thought uh, Jack Anger, Jack Angier, put it to him. I thought he was getting under his skin all day. I thought he had a really, really impressive game. And I'm, I think he's out this week with the return to play protocol, so he's not traveling, uh, which would be a big loss because the scrums started to get dominated when he went off, which was unfortunate. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, well, the, the squad that travels to South Africa was announced today. Uh, I'll quickly go through it. Uh, forwards was Buckley, Peter Dooley, Dave Heffernan, who have yet to see, uh, Dylan Tierney Martin and Tyg McElroy, Dominic, Dominic Robertson-McCoy, Finley Balaam is back, uh, Sam Elo, Dara Murray, Joe Joyce, Niall Murray, Oshin Dowling, Connor Oliver, Prendo, Sean Jansen, who I think we'll see this weekend, which is exciting, uh, Sean O'Brien the fourth, and Seamus Hurley-Langton. Donald Bryan um, was brilliant the weekend, I thought. Yeah, another exciting player there as well, yeah. Uh, the backs then, obviously, Blade, Colm Riley, Jack Carty, JJ Hanratton, Cottle Ford, The Hawk, Tom Farrell, oh, Andrew oh. Smith, thank you, Westy, uh, Byron Ralston, Damon Kilgallen, Porchy, and Tiernan O'Halloran. So, 
uh, we you know we we're kind of wondering what kind of squad or especially if any of the internationals are back so it's great to see Finley back um, of the Connacht trio at the World Cup probably you know played the le- least amount of minutes so it makes sense to see him back uh, and a nice two week trip to South Africa is a nice little kind of entry back into playing for him but overall like Wesley that's a strong squad to go down to South Africa that definitely for me personally makes me more hopeful of seeing some results down there yeah yeah it's clear that we're not uh, just yeah, as you said before, going to South Africa and getting a win is, is a really difficult thing. And it's clear that we're not just rolling over and accepting that as a as a foregone conclusion. I had kind of said maybe to you guys during like the week before last, and I kind of thought we should go hell for leather against Edinburgh and maybe then send a rotated squad to South Africa. Um, but you know that's the reason I'm not a coach. Um, but and it's also interesting because I think having looked at the Sharks' form the last few weeks, I obviously lost to Zebre uh, at the weekend. Now, Zebre, as we've said, have been improving in every game and have looked like they were going to get a win. Sharks are also on the road for four weeks, which is really, really difficult thing. So they'll be, um, I'd say they'll be a different team now when you go and face them uh, in Durban. But um, it's clear that we're, as I say, we're not taking anything as a foregone conclusion. We were, were we the first or the second team to get a win down in South Africa uh, two years ago? So, um yeah, they're back into the squad are, are good enough to go there and get the win. We were we were close against Stormers as well in the semi final, which is important to remember. It's um it's um it's not outside the realm of possibility. I think um I think they've picked a team that they you know that shows that 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 we believe that we can go down there and get a win or pick the squad, I should say. Um, it's great to see Finley back. He'll bring so much. Uh, as you guys said, when our front row was rotated in the game, uh, it did make a difference. Our scrum. You know, did become a little bit more unstable. Now, I think, you know, I think Samilo was great around the park when he came on, but again, the scrummaging maybe side of things wasn't quite as at the same level. So, really great to see Finley back in there. Um, and yeah, like um, it, it's exciting, right? Like seeing seeing that the the coaches and the and the club are are going down there with intent just adds to the kind of excitement over the next few weeks. It would have been very easy to write off these few weeks, get our younger lads down and, and see what happens. You know, do a Leinster on it, as they say. Um, and just, you know, well, I mean, Leinster have a, a better, younger crop maybe than, than most teams have. But um, yeah, yeah, I think it's a really exciting squad to go down. Um, and I'm glad to see that we're backing ourselves to carry our momentum forward. I mean, I heard about Leinster, Westy. Bubbles burst. Uh, breaking news. Uh, Sam, Bulls and the Sharks... Uh, Sharks and the Bulls, sorry, should I say, next two games. What what is what's the least amount of points we can come out of that? Zero. Uh, t- sorry, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, mathematically, yes, zero. Uh, what what would you? What's the least amount of points you'd like to see us coming away with those two games with? Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to actually say much about this. I think that going to South Africa and getting results has been really difficult for every team in the league so far. I don't think many teams have gone down and gotten anything. You know, losing bonus points are seen as a bonus when you get down there. Uh, and I think that, you know, if you got two lo- losing bonus points, but you put it to them, you know, you're playing Bulls, uh, that's at altitude, and you're playing Sharks, and it's supposed to be 30-degree heat. And supposedly, now I've never been, but Durban, the humidity is meant to be unbearable. So that's two tough environments to be going down to. You've got a wounded Sharks team, the four on the road lost. They're going to want to be proud and st- set down a marker at home. So... It's a hard place to go. If you got two points from it, I actually think that that would be two good points so long as the performances match and they're good enough and you just get beaten by better teams in harder environments. I would love to come away with four points from the trip. I think that that would be very successful personally. 
Uh, I don't buy that you need to be getting a huge amount of points on this trip. It's early in the season and we've done the hard work. We've got three wins and a bonus, a losing bonus point out of the first four games. I would have bitten your hand off for that if you had given that as an opportunity at the start of the season. One of the Interpros is already down. So that's, you know, it's not the end of the season where we mathematically need to be skiving for points. We're well on track to get more points at the moment than we were last season. And last season we managed to get into seventh. You know, I think it was a 48 points gets you. Europe last season or the uh, European equivalent to the eighth place last season that will be Europe this year and playoffs and I think that we're on track to get better than that so we keep up the momentum we win at home we grab a couple of points away from home throughout the season I think that that's a very good season so two trips to South Africa if you come away with any points personally I think that that's good so long as the performances are up there if you come if you lose to a bad Sharks team and you still get the losing bonus point, but you're crap as well. Then you're disappointed. But if you if they can have two good performances, they can ride into it. They can come out unscathed. I'd be very happy with two points. I'd be extremely happy with four. Uh, we'll move on um, from Connacht. Uh, Ulster and Munster played the second Interpro of the season uh, on Friday night. Lovely little bit of Friday night entertainment, actually. A, re- a good game. A lot of not the best quality sometimes on show, but a good battle. Um, and Ulster pull one out of the fire, twenty-one points fourteen over Munster, um, up in Belfast. Again, the old cliche of a tale of two halves, a game of two halves. But Munster dominated this first half. Looked just like they were imposing their physical will all over Ulster, dominating the scrum. And it looked like it was going to be one of those nights where Munster just Munster in that first half reminded me so much of South Africa. They were just a pain to play against. Every rook was contested. Every like the physicality was through the roof. It was just a nightmare to play against. Uh, but Ulster again so it would have been very very easy for Ulster to quit that game, considering the last couple of results. And they come out in the second half and turn it around and come out with the win. Uh, Westy very impressed by Ulster that second half. Did you uh, share the same feelings? Uh, yeah, yeah. I the, the game as a whole really reminded me of the uh, Munster Benetton game a couple of weeks ago, um, especially the second half. Um, there was a lot of handling errors, a lot of drop balls. I, I don't know exactly how many how many scrums there were, but it seemed like there was a lot of kind of um, a lot of handling errors. Um, and yeah, just a really mentally strong second half from Ulster. You know, they're obviously would have been hurting from the comeback against us, um, and then to see kind of um, I would I think kind of their senior players like Nick Timoney was obviously massive for them. I think when uh, when Ian Harrison came on, it was a huge difference. Um, I thought kind of Stuart McGossie was kind of controlled pretty well in the first half, but um, yeah, I'd like the Herring coming on as well. Their internationals coming back, I think, think made a huge difference in that game. Um, really tough, especially the first try. I think it's the first try KK, Craig Casey snipes back around the, the, the rock and scores. Um, and then, you know, uh, Ulster managed the yellow, the Shane Daly yellow really well. I think they end up uh, four points in, in the plus. Um, with 14 men and that kind of feels like a big in the game in the, in the spring of things that feels like a big opportunity wasted by Ulster or not wasted but, but gone past Ulster so um, yeah definitely a, a very interesting halftime team talk I'm sure and look you can you can come up with any number of excuses for, for Munster as you whatever you want I think Ulster contained them really well and if we've said it before you, you can't go 40, 50, 60 minutes without scoring any points like mathematically it's you're just unlikely to, to, to see a game through that way so um really impressive comeback from Ulster both in terms of the loss last week and and in the actual game 
Uh, a tough win for Munster, or a tough loss for Munster on the road, but I don't think they'll take too much out of it. Like Raven Hill or whatever it's called, Kingspan now, is a, it's a tough place to go. Um, the Interpros are always spicy. And I think, you know, just to refer to it in passing, there's no teams undefeated now in, in the league. I think Benetton are the closest um, closest team, are actually the only undefeated team in the league with a draw. Um, so I think it's been a really interesting couple of rounds. And it's like, you know, you say that we're we're fifth, but we're one point off first. You know, it's a really, really, really tight league, a really, really tight start to lead. And just I think the quality just go up from here. Yeah, Sam, Wes makes a good point. Like, that first 20 minutes for Munster was so, so impressive. To then go scoreless for the next 60, it seems almost impossible. Yeah, they really got a foothold against the Ulster scrum. I think Greg McGrath kind of struggled in the, the start there. And then for Ulster to come back and to, to gain a bit of momentum and strength in that area of the pitch changed the outcome of the game. I think for me, one of the moments was at about 50 minutes 45, 50 minutes, Adagbo goes off at the exact same time that Henderson's coming on. And the two that Adagbo had been integral to all of what they were doing well. He was go forward ball every time. He was strength, you know, the line outs, the malls, the scrums were all brilliant while he was on. And then when he went off, that area collapsed and Ulster got on top in that area. And one of the reasons they got on top was Henderson came on with all his experience and all his ability. Uh, and he was also running right. He looked like a man possessed. So they were huge momentum shifts in it. If, if Munster had continued to get the dominance over the Ulster uh, scrum the way they did, yellow cards were coming, penalty tries were coming, they would have completely walked away with this game. But Ulster clawed their way back into it. They did something. I don't know what it was, but they managed to shore it up and that was fine for them and that stopped them. And then they went to a level of performance that just nullified a lot of what Munster were trying and Munster kind of got a bit sloppy in, in the interim period. So I was worried for Ulster's sake after 20 minutes considering how it had started and the, the tries that uh, Munster had gotten. And then for Ulster to come back into it, to get first back to level, back to level in terms of ability, in terms of the possession, the set piece, and then to kick on from there, it was a huge momentum shift for them. And I think that that will, that will tell because, you know, they rightfully are able to say that they rotated heavily when they lost to us last week. But that was more of their first team players coming back. Players were coming back from injury. Players were coming back from rest and rotation. And they're going to get more and more of them because they have, they were hampered with injuries for, for a few weeks of this league. And I think that they managed to get through that period quite well and get a result in one of the Interpros. You know, winning at home in an Interpro is important, uh, especially because, you know, you're fighting with these teams. Ireland, the Irish teams and the South African teams do still have the harder Interpro series. As, you know, the derbies make it harder for us to get into Europe in terms of how the league works. So it was a massive result for them. Yeah, I want to highlight uh, David McCann for Ulster. Um, we, we've had, the last two years we've kind of been here with David McCann about being the next you know potential uh, Ulster captain uh, for years and years to come and how talented he is and we hadn't really seen it in full effect but on Friday night he was absolutely amazing uh, he was everywhere he was hitting every rock every time he got the ball he made five or six yards uh, he was a real real leader for that Ulster team and like that's that's the kind of win that could turn around Ulster and I say turn around it's not like they've lost loads of games but the the sort of the, I don't know the kind of the juju around the team isn't great and there's a lot of negativity out there and like coming back against a monster you know the reigning champions and, and pulling that win out at home it just could be the spark needed for them to go on now and push on and sort of get out of the get out of the the stable a little bit but I'm also going to say something here lads and um I don't think it's, I don't think it's ever been said in this podcast before I thought Frank Murphy did a pretty good job refereeing that game <laughs> I had absolutely no issues. But any of the calls that he gave, uh, I thought uh, Shane Dilly yellow card was a really, really tough one to, to ref. I think yellow was fair. I don't think it was a red. 
Um, I hope Ethan McElroy's okay. I don't know if they've released any information. Maybe they have, but uh, he came off looking worse for wear. But I think that was more, I think, as you said, Sam, the pitch more than anything else. But Daly, in a split second, to get into a really low position would have been really, really tough. Uh, it was just a really tough one. But I thought overall he got all the, Sam, what do you think, the, the, the calls? I thought overall pretty pretty good. I think after well, yeah, I was I was surprised to see some people complain, but I think everyone people will complain. I was, you know, I was a victim of that, or I I did that quite a lot for a couple of years, and I had to cop myself on. And just realize that there's not much you can change about it. Moaning about it on Twitter just makes you seem bitter. So I've tried my hardest to stop doing that, but I was surprised to see the level of kind of criticism he was coming under from areas of that monster fan base on Twitter. But I don't think that that reflects the overall feelings of the monster fans. The daily one. I thought it was a harsh yellow personally, but I really do understand people who are saying that it should have been more than a yellow because, yeah, he's not made an attempt. He's not really tried to get low. It's so quick, so it's very hard to kind of know. And I'm very much on the fence with it because I feel like the the stutter, the the, the semi-fall and the tackle are the mitigating circumstances that brings the head in. And he ends up, the, the player, McElroy, is leading. He's running with his head like two feet in front of the rest of his body. So it's next to impossible to come under. Then the ironic play- thing there is, if Daly had dipped, he would have shouldered him in the face. Yeah, you know, like so. What? What exactly is he supposed to? I like. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think the yellow is kind of fair. But I also, I could have seen it be nothing. I could have seen yeah, it just oh, be like you ran 100%. into him. What can you do? But I, I do understand that people are saying that there's a line that I've used on this podcast, and it's you know, if you can't make a legal tackle, don't make a tackle. I understand that as well. So, you know, it's it's very hard to know. That's one of those ones where it's just a series of. Things that happen. Fortunate events. Ha- Lemony Snicket. I tried He's to avoid. It. I didn't want, to, <laughs> didn't want to become a trope. But uh, no, it's like, yo, know, is being tackled whilst falling over, and his head is nearly two feet in front of his hips. Daly doesn't make enough effort to get low, but I also don't think he's going in trying to smash him either. He's trying to save the try. You know, if it's a case where he wraps and McElroy falls on him, then it's not seen as high. It's seen as you know being held up and it's it's so hard to read and it's a split second thing we see it in slow motion and suddenly it becomes like how can they not make a decision on that so because it's it's slow motion so i think at the end of the day the yellow probably lands in the fairest i personally at the time felt maybe it shouldn't have been a yellow but i'm 100 understanding by anyone that said it should have been a red because you know progressive rugby are a great twitter follow if you want to follow people and you do need we, we need to take more care of rugby players rugby players heads need to be taken more care of and if if completely outlawing tackles like that is the way to go. Well, that's for the benefit of human beings, and that's at the end of the day what you need to do. No, I, I look. That's totally the right point. But at the same time, the argument of like, if you can't make a, a legal tackle, don't make a tackle. Daily, Daily's never just going to stand there and let him, you know, cross the line. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he reacts. It's it literally happens in a second. And he reacts. He's not gonna, you know. Imagine if he just stood up and was like, "Oh, well, I could make a league tackle." He could absolutely slay it for it. So it's 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 like I think Darren K have said it on comms, and he's a gobshite too. But um, you know, it's it's a rugby incident. And in fairness, I think that is it's, it's you know, rugby incident gets thrown around a lot. That to me is the ultimate rugby incident where it's it's just yeah, McRoy trips. It's it happens in a half a second. Daly's on the try line. It's just one of those. I think, yeah, I think if I agree, a, a yellow, I, I didn't, I, I would have probably gave nothing for it, but a yellow is fine. I think a red would have been a, too harsh. Can we put a quote on the amount of rugby incidents we're allowed to refer to during the year? So that's one, okay? So we've used one. We're allowed three in the year. So we have to be, we have to be careful using them. You can't just throw rugby incidents out there for every clash of heads or whatever, you know? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm confident using that one as a rugby incident. Fair. But you have to keep me honest about it. You got to keep me honest. 
Uh, but no, great win for Ulster. Um, yeah, brilliant. Um, moving on then to the last province in action, Leinster were away to Dragons in Rodney Parade. Uh, and they come out on top, 33 points to 10. Again, we saw some internationals back for Leinster. Uh, Sheehan was back. Big Joe Mack was back. Ryan Baird um, was back as well. Ross Byrne, Jimmy O'Brien, um, and uh, Frawley as well. Frawley uh, did go to the World Cup, didn't he? Did he? No. No, he didn't. No. Sorry, I keep forgetting. I thought he was one of the lads who went and didn't play. No, he's um, 15 at the moment. So I don't know where his future lies when Keenan comes back. It's like... You've got Ross Byrne, Harry Sam Prendergast at 10. Frawley's played a bit of 12, but Natai Henshaw are there. Osborne is supposedly quite good. Uh, like, I'm not supposedly, he is very good, but he's supposedly a bit of a 12. You know, you've got Ringrose at 13. Like, Frawley could be the, not forgotten man, but the the also ran there uh, in the long run because he's not going to be ahead of Keenan at 15 and it doesn't look like he's going to be 10 and he's definitely not going to be 12. So it's, it's hard to see where the long-term starting position lies for him. Yeah, I just want to highlight the URC website. You know, the, the poses they make the players do are just terrible. Uh, you need to do something better with that. Uh, also, shout out to Dragons for, uh, you know, selecting a player called Screech. That's just, that'll bring a tear to your eye right there. That's beautiful. Um, but yeah, good look, another win for Leinster. We spoke about, you know, <laughs> Joe wasn't a rugby incident, Sam. Uh, Tane Basham, uh, do you want to talk us through that <laughs> incident? Uh- I don't know, like, it, it's thuggish. I'm a huge fan of Tane Basham. I'm kind of, like, surprised when he's not included in the Welsh starting teams. And I've been a big, big fan of him and really worried about, about him in that Dragons team. He's been made a nuisance of himself when they beat us two years ago. He's I'm 99% sure he did anyway. Like, someone will probably <laughs> quote me and say he wasn't even playing. But I have memories of being scarred by Tane Basham because he's a brilliant player. Uh, and I, I really like him as a player. I think he's done well for Wales in the past as well. So to do that was just thuggish. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know why he would do it. The player's prone. And I think that that's the type of one where I don't want to see any mitigation for apologizing or tackle school or any of that bullshit. Punish the player to the full extent of the punishment because there is nothing in it except for being a thug. Like he's not doing anything outside of giving, leaving one in just for the sake of it. And there's no place for that. Like it's one thing, you know, try saving tackle attempts being too high. There's understandable mitigation there when it comes to the, the disciplinary committee to be able to mitigate it down because of circumstance. But this, there, there can't be, he felt bad about it or he apologized on the day or he had, he set up a WhatsApp group with a few of the Leinster lads that he knew and to the, from holidays. And he said, sorry, through that, or he sent a meme. No, fuck off. Just punish them to the full extent of the punishment and don't allow people to do stuff like that. Yeah, this is my argument of, you know, people say you can't, you can't see if there's intent or not. There was, that's pure intent. Like there's no, he doesn't accidentally flail the elbow out. Like it's, it was, yeah, it's a scumbag thing to do. And as you, you're totally right. You have to throw the book at him. You can sometimes, you can sometimes tell if there's intent, but then other times you can't. When there's bad tackles, they're bad tackles. And you don't know if the intent was to leave him in. I've been on the end. I've been on the end of an extremely bad tackle with someone that I didn't like, and I'm pretty sure he did it on purpose. But a ref is going to say it was a tackle because that's how it happens. Yeah, but I, if you brought me, I'm saying if World Rugby bring me in as an independent adjudicator, I can probably give you, I can tell. I just have a sense for it. Um, Westy Leinster, they're, you know, they're back to winning ways. Is it fair to say the next three rounds will really see where Leinster are at? Two of those games are, are into pros. They're, they're hosting Munster and then they're playing us on December 2nd. I say us like we're taking the field, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm playing um, 
<laughs> Sounds bit pullback. I'm yeah, on the so side. we're investors in comics from the beach. You know? We are. I, we I are. I buy my season are. ticket. I buy the merch. Pays their wages. Yeah, I still haven't got the Jared Ball nails yet, but we're waiting. Yeah. We're waiting patiently. Where's this cup I was promised? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, is, is it fair to say we don't really know where Leinster are at yet until maybe after December second? Yeah, I mean they've Scarlets next week. I don't think you'll see much change in the squad. Maybe one or two more of the internationals coming back, but it'll be the the interpros before we start to see. Uh, anything close to a, a full strength length your team. In fact, they'll probably use the Interpros as a warm up for Europe. Um because they I mean I say that with no embarrassment. Like that's kind of we know Leinster uh, we know what they prioritize and we know what they want out of this season. Um I think you know apart from kind of a um a, a slight shock in, in a good game in an entertaining game against Glasgow um it's kind of been business as usual since then for Leinster. Um you know, a great result against the Sharks. Um, okay, Edinburgh kind of came back towards the end, but it never didn't look like they were going to win. I thought Dragons impressively held Leinster for about half an hour, but again, it's that typical try before and after half time. Just kind of is really hard to to uh, to come back from even mentally. So, um, yeah, interesting to see a couple of players back in uh, in this game. But I'd say they, you know, they have. 70% of the Ireland team to come back into their ranks as well, who are probably already back in training, but just not available for selection at this point. So, um, yeah, I, I think we probably won't even see a full a full Leinster until, uh, for another two weeks. And on top of that, there's the uh, Yaki's Ninabar question, you know. I think he's arriving, uh, is it this week he's arriving into, into Dublin to, to start as the assistant coach? So, um I doubt that'll have any massive immediate effect on Leinster because they've already had a preseason; they're already up and running. But it'll be interesting to see how the team evolves as the year goes on. Maybe they'll take a completely different approach to Europe than they're taking in the URC. Um, but yeah, I think um, it's just been slightly business as usual for Leinster, and we could see pretty big. Uh, I don't want to say changes, but big waves coming in the next in the next two weeks when when the internationals are back and the internationals kick off. Yeah, definitely. Um, right, before we wrap up, I think we have to highlight uh, Benetton um, for their incredible, incredible win over the Stormers. I thought you were going to say we have to highlight Ben Healy, and I was like, oh, he avoided talking about the Scottish. Oh, I actually oh, did invite. So, sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, look, look, I've been waiting for this to come. Um, I still don't think he played particularly well uh, or the week before, and it was a drop. I, I would have slapped that drop goal. It was like 20 yards out. Come on, what are we talking about here? But of course, I was sitting in the pub and I was like, of course it's going to come down to this. And of course it's going to be Ben Healy. And as soon as he slotted, I was just like, this is going to be a rough couple of days for me. But no, I, I don't, look, at it happens. Um, fair play to him. Delighted for him, Sam. I said, there's no beef between me and Ben, he- ben Healy, personally. Not how well, he, he might not, he, he, might, <laughs> he might not like me personally, but that's fine. Uh, but yeah, no, good point. I should have addressed that sooner, so apologies. Um, yeah, Benetton. 20 points, 17 winners over Stormers. Only team left undefeated. Uh, Sam, again, just a, a real uh, a real kind of a reminder of how far that club has come. Yeah, they've been they've gone from being a tricky away to being a tricky team to play against, being a team that now you actually you want to draw at home every year. It's kind of the way the the way that the league works, the away in Benetton is just so killer uh, and I think we have them around Easter time you'd love to scrape any sort of result there but like the trips to South Africa it's just not a pleasant one I think that they're playing really well I think that they've they've accumulated a good squad of players I think that Umaga was a a really good pickup for them I think he's a smart player 
decent amount of experience, but also brings another level to them because they, for a while, were quite good at playing rugby, but very frantic and being quite Italian in the manner in which they they could play for portions of games, but not full games. But you know, they went and they signed him, and they went and signed uh, Watson on the wing in the last couple of years, and they've gotten a good, they've got a good contingent of uh, very experienced Italian players now, and Italy are kind of on the up the last few years, so it's it's all intertwined into quite a a good feeling for them. So. I'm impressed with them. I'm scared of playing against them. And that's another great result for them. And they'll, they'll want to do what Connacht want to do. They'll want to do what most teams want to do. And that's make their home patch a fortress because you can really get into Europe by just not shipping points at home and grabbing one or two away wins, you know, be that your Dragons or your Zebra aways or whatever it is. If you win all your home games, you've done most of the job of getting into Europe. Yeah. Wes, your thoughts? Yeah, not a great, uh, not a great start for... Um... Most of the South African teams, um, two tough weeks for for summers. I think they're struggling without, you know, obviously Manny is a big playmaker for them in Willem's a fullback. They're kind of struggling to reach the heights that we saw them in the last couple of years without, uh, without those two in particular. But um, yeah, I think I think it really says more about Benetton. I mean, even going back to the the monster game a few weeks ago, we saw um, Benetton able to kind of for most of the game at least control the game and get themselves in a position where where winning was a possibility. So. Um, I think it's it's we also sorry you can't mention Benetton when not mention the fact that Zebra won their first game in about eighteen months, um, uh, beating the Sharks. Um, so yeah, I think look at look they've recruited well, right? There, there's no secret. There, there's Argentinians in that team. There's Jacob Umaga. There's um, Malachi Fekatoa. Malachi Fekatoa, of course, yeah, from from um, from Munster, and you know who has been a fantastic signing for them. Anytime, uh, anytime I've seen him, he's he's really. Um, Got them go forward ball and been really creative for them in, in the middle of the park. So, um, as I say, it, it, it's a team that's recruited really well. Um, and I think, as I say, look, it's just good for Italian rugby that you know the two teams are now becoming uh, that little bit more competitive. Benetton, even more so, as you say, we have to go there now in the new year, and it's going to be a very, very difficult away game. Um, now it's always a difficult away game, but it's going to be much more of a um, you know much more difficult now. And even you know they've got wins on the road as well this season, so it's. Um, it definitely shows that there's a growth in the clubs. I hope it translates to a more successful Italy that really, really disappointing World Cup. So um, hopefully with the clubs being a little bit more successful, we see them a little bit more competitive in the Six Nations. And as you guys said, them qualifying for Europe under their own steam, you know, there's no more of this, you know, every country gets in or, you know, every uh, pool or pot or whatever the hell it was called, or every shield gets, winner gets in. Um, it's a straight points race now and that will be really in the forefront of the minds of the Benetton management of the players. They haven't lost a game in their opening four and you know they've put themselves in a, in a position to, to build points and go forward. Yeah, no, it's great It's great to see. And like, again, it just goes to show you the depth of the of the, the table and, and, and the championship itself. And speaking um, of the best drop goal of the weekend, uh, Rhino Smith was way better than Ben Healy. I'm just putting it out there. Can everyone just stop talking about Ben Healy's one and start talking about Rhino Whoa, Smith? Whoa, Sam, what's your problem with Ben Healy? What's your problem with him? You're the one with the problem with him. You said he's the worst player you've ever seen. No, oh, because I've already seen the tweets afterwards. Been like, can't believe Aaron let him go, and you're like, oh Jesus Christ! Like, because that's all you need from the National Ten—just twenty-yard drop goals. That's all. That's all it takes, right? 
Come on. Get, get, get their head out of their ass. He made an entire career out of it. That's all he was good at. That's all he ever did. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I knew that was coming, but that's what annoys me more than anything else. But um, on that on that note, we'll wrap it up, lads. Uh, appreciate it, as always, for you guys coming on. Uh, we'll be back next week with round five uh, to recap all the action there. Hopefully a win away in South Africa. Appreciate it, boys. Chat to you next week. Bye. Bye.